Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. I, uh, I tried to learn how to uh, uh, not wakeboard. It looks like a wakeboard. It's actually a hydrofoil. It's a lot more difficult than it looks. Um, and uh, that was me falling over repeatedly. What they didn't show you was me crushing the surfboard. But anyways, come back next week for that. We'll see that. But uh, <laughs> welcome. My name is Brandon, the teaching pastor here. And uh, if you, this is your first time, you picked a great day. Uh, we're church people don't typically like church. That's where we're attempting to be anyways. And uh, we are starting a brand new series today called Limited Time Offer. It's a three-week series on parenting. Uh, and let me let me stress the, uh, the, the, the notability about this series. We, um, we just got out of a six-week series uh, on suffering that was like dark and intense and philosophical and deep and sl- biblical and all of the, like, the, like the crazy uh, sort of things. And so I feel like if you've been a part of East Lake for any length of time, you know, you know what I like to do is kind of like a stress and release, sort of like work really hard and then kind of take and go a little bit practical uh, on some ends. And the reason I do that is because you remember dating somebody in high school and she was like all super intense all the time. And you're like, can we just like talk about like the Seahawks once in a while? Or it's like, and you're just like, I can't, I can't dive. I can't go on this route with you where it's always deep all the time. And, um, and I, I need to have something that's practical and hands-on and I got to be able to go do something with it. And so that's what this series is. So if you have, if you're new to East Lake or relatively new and all, all you've ever known is what we just came out of, you're going to be like, this was such a different week from that. That is intentional on purpose. Um, I, I want to talk about parenting. It's only going to be a, a three-part uh, series leading up to this, but um, <clears throat> I think it's going to be important. A few years ago, I was in a position like you're sitting in an audience where it was like a family conference thing. I was doing children's and youth ministry at the time, and so it was like a family thing. And and uh, and the speaker got up, and he pulled out this big jar of bubblegum balls. It was a glass jar, so you could see all the different colors, red, white, and blue, and all the kind of things. And he said, imagine that this is, uh, the, every gumball in this jar represents one weekend that a parent has with the life of their child the day that they're born. And the jar was full. And so like lots of weekends, like so much time, right? Five. And so less gumballs, obviously, because you've gone through however many weekends, five times 100, you know, 52 or whatever. Um, and then uh, this is what the jar looks like when they're 10 and it's like getting lower. And then they're like, this is what it looks like when they're 15. And I have a 15 year old and there's like hardly any balls, gumballs left. And that's when things start getting emotional. And, uh, and, and then the, the idea is, you know, showing parents that, that what you have is a limited time offer, that your access as a parent, your role, the demand, not your role as a parent, but the demands of, of, of you as, as a parent and the opportunity that you have for the kind of, what do you want to input into the life of this child? And do you want to be a good steward of this opportunity? It's so limited and, and that the clock is always running. It's very, very depressing. And anytime I see a gumball machine now, I start getting like allergies and choked up and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, I don't want to, I didn't, I didn't bring those out for you today, but I just wanted to kind of, you know, reflect that and, and just be like, this is, this is why we're talking about this because the clock's, you know, always, always ticking. And I know that they get older and they move out and they do on their own thing. You're always a parent. And we're going to talk a lot about that and what that continues to look like. But you know that there's like an intense period where like, like there's like this 
feeling of I got to be able to kind of, um, you know, make, take full advantage of this and do this right. And so when it comes to doing this right, then I would classify this as what we call a wisdom series. Whereas last series was like a, a, a knowledge series, this would be like, um, here's some wise things to kind of do with your life. If, if these base assumptions are true, we're not going to deal with like theological, nobody is going to leave here and be like, the, 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 I remember the week that I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior in my life. It was a week on parenting, week one of limits of time off. Nobody's going to say that. And I'm okay with that because not all of the Bible is directed toward that either. When you read, when you go through the Bible, uh, there's a lot of things about Jesus and, and what all that means. But then there's a lot of very, very practical. I mean, the entire book of Proverbs is a book on living life well, assuming that you have your faith base and assuming that the foundational piece is already set in the big practical way that feels like wisdom thing. One, one of the, the most popular ones comes up up in uh, chapter 13, verse 20, where it says something like this, walk, those who walk with the wise become wise, but a companion of fools suffers much harm. The verse is a little bit different on there because that's not the one translation I remember, but um, that's, that's the idea. And, and thinking about that and going, and you know this to be true because um, you, you've thought to yourself, I, I, especially when you're going through these ruts where you're like, I just want to grow. I want to grow in, in a certain area of, of knowledge. I want to be better at my job. I want to be better at that. I want to be better at parenting. So what do you do? You go to Barnes and Noble, you buy self-help books on this, you watch videos, you watch TED Talks, you surround yourself with people who are better at this than you because you want to walk with the wise in whatever way walk looks like for you. You want to define that uh, in a, in a I, I want to do life with people who are better at this than me because I feel like I'm going to, by osmosis, get better at this. And then on the, you know, on the converse of this is true, which is a companion of fools suffers harm. You remember this as a kid. You're like, it seems like every time I'm around this kid, this other kid, we get in trouble. I'm always in trouble with Kyle. What is it about Kyle that my parents are like, you, why are you acting like this? And you're like, it's not me, mom. It's obvious. Obviously, Kyle, right? And so, um, and so then she has to kind of set boundaries about how much time you spend with Kyle. And if your name's Kyle, I'm not picking on you. It was just a kid in my when I grew up. So, anyways, all right. Um, so this is this is the the wisdom piece about this. And so for a few weeks, a three week wisdom series on the idea of parenting. Now, if you are like me. If I was you and the roles were reversed and, and you were up here, there'd be a couple of, of like things that would kind of cross like mind and, and I just want to address them early on so that I, you know that I'm aware, that you're aware, all that kind of stuff, right? Like first one is this, like why should I listen to you, right? Why should I listen to you? What, what kind of moral authority do you have? And I could be like, well, I've got, a, I've got four kids. I've got, the, you know, the ages from five to 15, all that kind of stuff. But that's, that's, not, that's not why you should listen to me. Uh, not, not because of experience. I am somewhat experienced. I do have kids, but I'm not at that age where my kids are grown and gone and everything's so hunky-dory and great and they love coming home that you're like, okay, you've got moral authority there. I'm not there. And the other thing is um, there are some people who have like a natural aptitude towards things. They just pick them up really quick, whether it's wakeboarding or school or whatever. And you're like, I hate you for that. I, and I don't hate you, but I do want to cheat off of you. But I do not like you for that reason. Um, I would say that, and my wife is here today, she's sitting just a, a couple rows back, that I, uh, am, I do not have a natural aptitude towards parenting. That doesn't mean that I'm not a good parent. I just have to work harder at it than she does. Um, she has natural a- adaptations for that. Uh, and so I, I have to work hard at it. And so this is what we're gonna be talking, why should you listen to me? Um, because I, I do feel like I'm, I'm, I'm working on that and I am a, a good parent, but um, I have a wife that sharpens me in that area and I cannot tell you how many times 
that we have been with the kids doing something in the living room and, you know, something gets spilled. They bring food in. They know they're not supposed to eat on the couch and they eat on the couch and then something gets spilled. And I'm like, I, I knew that would happen. And so I go into all the rules and I go into, the, you know, the, the temperature of the whole situation just rises. And, and I'm the thermostat usually in those situations. Um, and uh, she, she's, she's so kind. She keeps quiet and then they leave the room and then she has to sit me down like a parent and say, <laughs> you don't want a parent like that. That's not who you want to be. You're, that's, you're not that kind of dad. And I'll be like, I know, I know. But they did this. And you're like, you know, well, okay. Like, just because they did it doesn't mean you, it's, it's very, it's very good. So what I'm presenting in this series are simply breadcrumbs uh, that I have found helpful along the way, either through personal experience, through some resources, through some reading stuff. Let's call them aspirational qualities, uh, if you will. Uh, like a poor beggar telling you where I found a little bit of bread. So why should you listen to me? Only because number two is a, a, a natural pushback. And this, this might definitely be some of you. Um, what if I'm not in a series of parenting? What if that's not my current calling and uh, I'm not there? Or uh, my kids are grown and gone and uh, I'm an empty nester baby. And my biggest concern is my golf game um, uh, and what, what I'm going to eat tonight and how long it needs to cook on the Traeger parent. Um, then I get that. I understand that. A part of me would say, one, you're never really truly done parenting, right? It just changes into a different season of life. And I think you would, you'd be like, okay, yeah, but it's less demanding. No question. Um, or perhaps you're like, I'm single and, and I don't have kids. And you're like, and, and I would say, great, this is maybe a tuck away thing for someday when you do, or what better way to have a strategy than find yourself in the middle of things and reacting to things uh, to better have it. Uh, and, and you'd say, yeah, maybe so. Or there's some of you who are single or and no kids and you're like, or maybe married, no kids. And you're like, we, I'm not having kids and this will never be a season. I would say, okay, great. But you probably are, are a part of a family. So if you need to think through this through the, the lens of I'm a child, I, I have parents. I, I engage in relationships with my siblings and, and there are family dynamics at play and we're coming into holiday season where that's going to be you know, heightened and, and all of that stuff. And if you're still sitting there and you're going, I'm not married. I, I don't have kids. I don't plan to have kids. I don't have parents. I don't have siblings. I'm an orphan and I do life alone. I'm a complete maverick in life. And I would say, um, this is only a three-week series and suck it up. And um, we're 33% done after today. So, you know, figure it out. And there are people around you who need to talk about this. And, uh, this, and we're working with some of them right now. So there you go. So, all right, dump, let's jump into the, the, the meat of the whole thing today. All right. Remember, for those of you who are parents, and this may have been a few years ago, this may have been as recent as, as this week. Um, remember how before you left the hospital, they went through like a checklist to make sure that you knew all of the things to do as a parent? Yeah, exactly. Remember, remember how they're like, we need, before you leave, before you take this kid in the car, we need to make sure you know how to burp them. Because if you don't know how to burp them, then there's going to be, they're going to be mad. They're going to be fussy. You're going to get mad. Then, then they're going to, they're going to have digestive issues and it could be long-term. So, so show us, you know, the proper technique, throw them over the shoulder and hit them harder than you think that they should because they're baby. They're more durable than you think, but you know, not abusive, that kind of thing. What's that line? We need to know that you know where the line is, right? Remember, remember how, Remember how they, they uh, also, they, they would say, show us that you know, we're going to give you a, a, a booger sucker, okay? One of those little bubble things. We need to know that you know which orifice to put this into your child, right? And we gave you a hint with the title of the product, but let's make sure that you know how to use this thing, right? Because it's going to help you with the breathing thing. Show us, before you leave the hospital, we're going to need you to show us that you know how to properly wear a baby Bjorn. That's, the pro that's like the big bar. Remember how they made you do all that kind of stuff? 
And if you've never had a child, you perhaps are going, that makes a lot of sense. They should do that. This should be a protective thing for kids. I understand, but they don't. Do you know you don't even have to have a license to have a kid? You just have to have it. Here's the, here's the, here's the bar of requirements to take home a child from the hospital. It has to be yours. That's the only bar. If it's not yours, then there's some issues. As long as it's yours and your car seat is strapped in, that's our big qualification, right? Listen, you can't cut hair professionally. You have to have a license for that. You have to go to school for that. But have a kid? Is this your kid? Yeah, great. Have a great life, right? Take them home, figure it out. And so that's, that's been, that's been the, the, the craziest Dang, I can't even like let my kids jump on a trampoline without filling out four pages of paperwork. Um, you know, that's the that's the the release forms and whatever. And then, but the kids thing is so easy. And so, uh, parents, you're just left to kind of figure this thing out. And so, you remember at this stage for some of you, like you go through life doing like, am I doing this right? Is this right? Right? Is this is this? Am, am I doing this right? Changing a diaper for the first time. You're like, is this right? Like, it doesn't feel right. Is it right? Am I doing this? You're, imagine. Uh, when, when we had our first kid, London's 15 now. So I don't think I got my iPhone until like she was probably like two or three or something like that. Maybe, maybe something like that. Anyways, it was a, a long time coming. And so the idea of right now, when I don't know something, I just go into like search query thing. and be like, hey, Google, how do I, whatever. And, and you do that too. So, and, and, but a lot of you had kids pre that. Imagine what the search query history looks like for if we had that for new parents. Oh my gosh, there'd be some entertaining things, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be fun to be on the Google side of things, watching these queries come in and going, imagine what was going on in this household right now for the parent to be asking this question right now. What is happening here? What is happening here, right? All of these things. So you spend so much of your time trying to figure it out. You're on your own, just trying to be like, am I doing this right? So one day you strap on that baby Bjorn. Nobody ever taught you. There's no class, there's instructions, but it's all in Swedish, so you don't know what it is. You, you look at it and you're like, armhole, armhole, leg hole? Is that what's happening here? And you, you strap this thing on somehow. You figure out how to get the kid in and then you walk out into your living room and you're just bouncing around. You're going, you don't want to make eye contact with your spouse just to be like, I just want to make sure. I don't think they know how it works either. So this is like good, you know, and I walk out and I'm like, I'm, I say me, this is just life experience. This is walking out and being like, trying to happen. And my wife and me, like, are we, she's upside down. Like, what are you, what are you doing with this? And I'd be like, I think this is how they do it in Sweden. I think this is the, this is how they, they swing this sort of thing, right? Ready to go. Our lives for the first several years are, am I doing this right? Are we, am, am I doing this right? And then, and then here's what happens. Like, and, and I can't speak from this from experience because we have a teenager right now in the house. When they become teenagers and you say the wrong thing. And by saying the wrong thing, the wrong thing, I mean, you stick to some healthy boundary, right? And you say no when they say, but I want to. And you're like, I know, but no. And then you're like, no, we're not buying that. No, you can't have that. No, you can't go there. You can't do that. No, you can't stay out that late. No, you can't go to that dance. No, you can't wear that to that dance. Good grief. Um, you know, you can't download that app on your phone. And they look at you and they are like, you are the worst. And they storm off and you're heated up and the temperature of the room's high. And you look at somebody, you look at your spouse, your significant other, whoever you're raising this child with. And you're like, are we doing this right? Like that question just shifts. It doesn't ever go away. You just be like, are we doing this right? Our kids assure us that we're not doing it right. Their best friend's parents are doing it right, or at least better than we're doing it, but we are not 
definitely doing it right. And it probably depends on what you think it is. So that's what we're going to kind of launch with this series today to kind of provide like a little platform to stand on and which, from which to go from, which is basically this. What's your win as a parent? What would you say your win is as a parent? What are you trying to get to? What are you parenting towards? In a two-parent home, sometimes these can be conflicting sort of things. What I think is a win and what they think is a win is a different thing. We have to figure out what the common ground is, talk things through, get him on the same page as me, um, which basically means changing his mind or changing her mind. It might depend on kind of what season you're in. I'm going to argue that there's one overarching win that's going to infiltrate everything. That's going to be the lens in which to look through everything. But uh, we know that, that even in parenting, there are different stages that you go through as a parent based on the life stages of your child. So when your child is in zero to five years, it's like a dependent stage. It's a super dependent stage. So we would call those the discipline years. In the four stages of parenting, the first one is the discipline years. This is where you are trying to tell your kid there are consequences to your actions. If you stick your finger or that fork in that light socket, there will be consequences to your actions. So don't do that. Don't run in the street, wear a helmet when you ride your bike. Um, you're just trying to get them to do things, behavioral modification, right? Then the next stage is this idea of the training years, which is now that they've got the behavior stuff sort of figured out, not always, but sort of figured out, you're trying to explain to them the why behind the what. The reason that you wear your helmet is because if you don't, you could bonk your head and then you, you know, get just, it's, it's awful. The reason I need you to be here and do this, the reason you need to call me when you're leaving is because I need to know where you're at. The coaching years, 12 through 18, that's when you connect more than you correct. Hopefully a lot of the behaviors figured out, they're starting to emerge. They're starting to engage in their own. They're starting to kind of be their own person, make their own thing, push their own boundaries. I am I, I'm my own person, mom. I am my own person, dad. Let me make my own mistakes. And you're like, okay, let me coach you through what I think you should do. And we coach sometimes even when they're not asking for coaching, which is another thing all in and of itself. And then the final phase, for those of you who've ever been there, is the friendship years, 18 plus. And again, if you don't have kids, this is probably where you live with your parents. This is the, the last stage where they don't, they're no longer disciplining you. They're of that as well. You're like, listen, dude, I'm 25. I'm good. I'm good. Dad, I'm 30. <laughs> like, I, I don't need coaching from you anymore. That was a fun phase. But I, 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 now it's a little bit different. Now we get to reap the rewards of the benefit from this. I discipline them because they needed to be disciplined. Because if I don't discipline them as their parent, they're going to get disciplined by a teacher, by a coach, uh, by a policeman or a judge, right? Somebody's gonna discipline my child. So I, in that phase, my win is that. But your win changes as you go through these things, right? And basically, what are we coaching towards? The implications or the things that are, are um, uh, pieces about this are compliance, competence, achievement, and relationship. So what an element of all of those, like this, these four things are a part of everything that we just talked about in the four stages, right? I'm, I'm teaching towards compliance. You will be compliant with what I tell you that you need to do because if you're not with me, then you, you're not gonna be with, with others and you're gonna face some consequences in life. Compliance is big at the early stages of this, but it's really a terrible way to parent when they're 18 plus or even that 12 through 18. If you're still trying to teach compliance to your kids at that age, it's like, uh, you know, that's not great. That's not a win. Competence. I want my child to be competent. Um, I want them to be able to be employable. 
um, to be, uh, have an understanding of the world, that they're not caught off guard when they go to school, or their minds are opened up to other religions or other, other things or ever whatever else, right? Achievement. I want to be proud. I want to see them make varsity. I want to see them get good grades. I want to see them get, land a first job that's, that's not awful, right? That they're actually making um, payments towards life and, and advancing themselves. And then relationship is a big deal. And those, what, in which one are you leveraging? And it can, is going to depend on which season that you're in to be able to do this. Now, what is the overarching goal though? What is your it? What's your, what's your thing? I came across one uh, a while back in uh, somebody who's a pastor and him and his wife have got adult children and they, um, yeah, I just, I heard it and I thought, that's it. That's like, that's, is that we want a solid goal. Uh, and, the, and the goal was simply this. Our goal is that we want to raise kids who enjoy being with us and with each other, even when they no longer have to be. If you're looking for a really good goal, this is a good one. Not that you have to steal this, you could, or plagiarize it or whatever. You can make your own if you want to. But a really good kind of starting off point is, I want to raise kids who enjoy being with us or me and and my wife and I and with each other, even when they no longer have to be. Um, I see this as an adult child whose parents are still in the area here. Uh, and we look forward to being with them. We look forward to being with our, my, I look forward to being with my siblings that we don't dread. I mean, the holidays, there's logistics and there's like, how are we gonna do this? And that's not to say it's not always, you know, kind of a, here we go. But it's, it, it is life-giving, that relationship. And I want that for you. My homework to you, if I had one this week, would be to find an empty nester, especially like a fresh empty nester, somebody whose kids are like going to college this week or whatever. Ask them if this is a formidable goal. And I would venture to guess they would say, that's it. That's where the gold is. That's what, that's what I want. I don't want compliance. I don't want them to be looking to me even as a coach. I don't want to be coaching them all this time. At some point, I want to reach a spot. What's the end goal? What am I coaching them towards? A spot where they enjoy being with us and with each other, even when they don't have to be. There's a verse that highlights this in the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verses three through five. Here's what it says. Here's what this psalmist, this writer in the vein of David writes. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Oftentimes that one, like I want to bring that up. And like that should be, if you're a parent of a, a newborn who is still tough and it's up and down and the sleep patterns are off and, and you're having to say no to almost everything in life that sounds fun and engaging because of, of this child. Like this should be on like the bed frame of their bed, right? This is a reminder. This is a gift. This is a reward. Because there are times, I'm just telling you, they do not feel like a gift and it does not feel like a reward. I would like to redeem, I would like to return this reward. This is not a good reward. <laughs> Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Blessed, or uh, another word there, lucky, or oh, the luck of the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. What is that last, what, ashamed? Why would they be ashamed? The gate of the city was oftentimes where the place where business transactions were held. It was the marketplace. It was the legal that they would go and sign over deeds and documents and transact money and, and sign contracts and do everything. So in this world where like the, the commerce is, this is where the things are happening. This is where the decisions are made. 
that no matter what they do and how much they make or lose, no matter where they stand in terms of that win-loss record in the, in the world of worldly wealth, that they can always fall back on. They'll never be ashamed. They always have a family to kind of fall back on. They've got this sort of thing. They've got, it, that, that there are things in life that money cannot buy, that you can have lots of wealth, but if you have uh, a terrible relationship with family, like there, there's just something that those people who have wealth look at that and be like, I have all this, but man, what I really wanted was that. There's something about that that I really, really like. This is what the psalmist is trying to say. He's saying the real true rewards in life come through um, having people um, in, in your life who speak well of you even when they don't have to, who want to be with you even when they don't have to any longer, they choose to do this. And if this sounds perhaps like, a, you know, if I'm still sitting there across on me, like, I don't know, I'm still skeptical. Of this. this sounds like a recipe for codependency. The key word here is enjoy. They enjoy it, right? Because you may have noticed codependent people don't really enjoy each other. They just can't survive without each other. So that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about something different. A closing breadcrumb of, all right, now that we've set the picture for what the entire goal is, like, how do we get there? Like, okay, but why, right? That's a big, give me some handles. Give me some to-dos with something like this. What are some practical implications of this? And uh, this one is like more, I feel like it's like more than a breadcrumb. It feels like a, just a loaf. You know what I mean? This feels like really, really hard. And again, something I've found super helpful. Um, and it has to do with this. Please remain seated. Please remain seated. And I'm not saying that like, I'm afraid you're gonna leave before I, I get to my last point and the main point. This is, this is the reminder. What, what comes to mind when you hear please remain seated? Because for me, it's the ding of the overhead thing in the airplane uh, when, when there's turbulence in the air and um, there's, you know, you, know I, you have to use, it's always like, man, I, I should go to the bathroom. Ding. And you're like, crap, now I can't. You know what I mean? It's always that timing. It's like the worst possible timing. And when, when you look at it and you see that there's some, you, you go, that, 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 she's up and walking around. What's she doing? She's walking around. You're like, that's the flight attendant. She gets to do this. You are the passenger. She's, she's paid and a professional and does this all the time. You are a passenger. Like you have roles in the airplane, understanding your role and my, that parenting role, whatever that looks like right now, that you would remain seated in that role. And to do that, it's helpful to remember that your children do not have the same relationship with you that you have with them. You are in a relationship with somebody who is a dependent. Your child is in a relationship with somebody who holds all the cards. It is an adverse power dynamic sort of relationship. There is one person that has the power and there is one person that doesn't and you have the power. Now, this is why it's not the same when it comes to like even in a, like an employment situation, when you're employed by somebody, they're the boss, they have all the power, you're the employee, you're, you don't. Yes, but you chose that situation. This is not a choice. They just find themselves, which then brings in all kinds. I wanna, I wanna, I'm gonna fight for equality. I think I'm 15 and can make my own decisions now. And you're like, you're a kid. You don't get to, I'm a parent. And so what phrase do you use? I'm the mom. Why, why, what gives you the right? What, this is what they say. What gives you the right? I'll tell you what gives me the right. I'm the dad. Well, that's not good enough. Well, it is for me. And I'm gonna remain seated in my role. And by the way, this is easy to remember when they're infants. Because, I mean, you just be like, I'm the parent, you eat this. And like, I don't like these. You do. You, I'm telling you what you like and you don't like. You like chicken nuggets. You eat them all the time. Let's go. But once, once they begin walking and talking, 
and disobeying and repeating things that they picked up your in-law's house, it is easy to lose sight of this dynamic. And the moment a parent gives up their unique role in the relationship, communication becomes unnecessarily challenging and confusing. Remain seated because when you don't, you're only inviting more confusion and complicating things and, and, and it becomes tough. A couple of implications for this, three implications. Number one, we shouldn't talk to our kids the way that we talk to everybody else. You as a parent, if you're gonna maintain, you're gonna remain seated in your role as a parent. Don't talk to your kids the same way that you talk to everybody else. There's something more, there's something more significant there. I talk to my daughter, London, differently. By the way, differently than I talk to my other three kids. She's at a different life stage, so she gets more, right? But I talk to her differently than I talk to each of you. I'm fans of you. I'm cheering you on. I try and talk about, I want a better life. I want life in, in life to its fullest. I want to live out the Jesus implications. But I challenge her in different ways. And I get to do that because I'm her dad and she, gets to, she has to listen to me. And I get to say things to her that I probably wouldn't say to you. And we got plenty of opportunity. Uh, yesterday, with, we drove to Yakima for a, a volleyball tournament. It's this windshield time, right? It's us and she, she can't go anywhere. She tries to play music and I turn it off, right? I'm, no, we're, we're talking about this. If you have the awesome, incredible opportunity to be a parent, remain seated in your role and don't talk to them uh, in, in, uh, or talk to them in a way that you don't talk to, uh, talk to our kids the way we don't talk to everybody else. Meaning somebody crosses you too many times, says the wrong thing, says something hurtful, you're like, I don't need you. <laughs> like, I don't answer your phone. I don't talk to you. That's fine. I, I'm an adult. You're an adult. Uh, we can continue to work in the same office, but like, I don't need to, like, I don't need those unhealthy. I don't need those vibes, right? You do whatever. You don't talk to them. Don't do that to your kids. If you want to remain in your role as a parent, they can say some really hurtful and mean things and they will, and they will. And if they haven't, it's just a matter of time. And there are some things where you'd be like, if we, if this wasn't, if we were not related by DNA, if there, if there wasn't a piece of me in you from a genetic standpoint, then uh, I don't know that we would be friends. Um, but you have to keep it up. You have to swallow that pride and swallow that whatever, that hesitancy to do this. And thirdly, and this is the hardest one. This is a this isn't a loaf of bread. This is a Costco two-packer. You know what I mean? In terms of breadcrumbs and, and looking at this. Don't argue with your kids. We should not argue with your kids. What, what does it take to remain seated in your role as a parent? It's reminding yourself that arguing, there's no win in arguing with your kids. We should always choose our words with our role in mind rather than their size, their age, or their reaction to things. Arguments are fine with peers, families, and, and, and you know, friends or whatever, but your words weigh too much for that, even when your kids weigh more than you. Don't argue with them. Arguing's for peers, it's for equals. You are neither, you are their parent. And the moment that you enter into the ring with one of your children, you have already lost. You've lost because you've allowed your child to bait you away from your new, unique role. Again, they're gonna advocate for equality and equity and we are two adults trying to figure things out. And you're like, no, I'm your parent. 
They're attempting a coup, by the way, that they secretly hope fails in the end. And by the way, you're going to feel defeated and exhausted. At no point are they going to be like, you know what? I thought things through. You're correct, mom. You are 100. I was completely in the wrong. That's never going to happen, by the way. Never. Um, and, and, and you'll walk away and you'll feel like even if you won the argument, you, you're losing the war. You lost the battle and are, are losing the war. Your no is going to be a reminder that they're safe because they're not in charge. Your refusal to be their friend will keep the relational lines from blurring, thus protecting their emotional well-being. And they don't actually even want it. They think that they do. But that they want is, a, is you to be a parent. Don't buy, they're baiting you into like, we're doing this together. We are not doing this together. I'm still your parent in this. Never argue with them. If you later discover you're wrong, own it, but don't argue. Parents aren't always right, but parents are always parents. So that's my homework. That's my like, hey, that's something I'm working on. That's, I'm, I'm, if, if I don't even know if my daughter's in here, if, if she's in here, she'd be like, well, he needs to work on it a little harder because that's clearly, I, I, Kylie asked me this morning, are you excited for this series? I'm like, I am. However, I do feel like, again, it's not natural talents. It's like, I got to work at, at this kind of stuff. But um, this, is, this is critically important. I, I want you and I want me uh, to have intentionality, severe intentionality, because I do think that direction determines destination oftentimes. And that I, I don't want you to wake up one day in life wishing that you had something different for your kids. Because the bummer thing about life is that life provides us with the rear view mirror. We see the past with great clarity, but it doesn't give us a reverse function. We don't get to go back and do it again. And so with parenting, it's a limited time offer to get it done right the first time. And I want, I want you to take the best dang approach possible. And I think that um, scripture over and over again, not just in that Psalms verse, but reminds us that this is a steward. Uh, like in a like in a way that we will never ever have in any other way. So, um, I want to talk about that for a couple more weeks. But you've got some homework. You've got this idea of I'm gonna this week. I'm gonna do my best to not argue with my kids, and I'm gonna treat them like a kid. <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna try and remain seated in my role as a parent as long as I can. And I think in the long term they'll respect me for it. And uh, maybe we'll get to that spot where someday they enjoy being around me even and around each other, even if they don't have to be. That'd be my encouragement for you. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is that that would be true. Uh, I, I hope that that's true for us and all of our different family dynamics. I know that, 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 that that's not just, in, just because I've ta- we've talked to people. We know like families are often the relationships that hurt the most. And it's the people who are closest to us who have that ability to, their words are, uh, are very heavy and, and uh, weighty. And um, yeah, rejection and, and lies and deception and betrayal at, at that state is incredibly emotional thing that, that requires lots of dialogue and counseling and prayers and all of that. And so I I pray that you would help us uh, take advantage, the best advantage that we can of this opportunity. Give us the wisdom to know what that looks like in our life and the courage to do something about it in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app, by searching East Lake Tri-Cities in your favorite app store.